We're going to about... Um, I was recalling this and I kind of looked it up because there's something I want on my heart to begin to talk to us about tonight. And um, I don't have it up yet so you can figure it out. The first time I ever preached in this pulpit, I was still practicing law, was October 12th, 1994. And the, yeah, that was a long time ago. And, the, the, and I, hadn't pre- I, I hadn't preached in over four years and I didn't even know if I could still do it. And Pastor Sam asked me to fill in for him on a Wednesday night. And the message I gave is basically the, the title is the same title. The message is a little different because I've changed. And it's going to come out of, um, it's a saying that Jesus says, I think it's eight times, and that is, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So we're going to talk about learning how to hear. Learning how to hear. We serve a God who speaks. I'll try it over here. We serve a God who speaks, a communicating God. And this God is speaking all the time. Now, there are parts of the body of Christ that believe that He spoke once in this book. But this book tells us He still speaks. And so we serve a God who speaks. Not only does this God speak, He knows everything. Imagine you have a friend that knew everything. Knew the winning lottery next week. Who knew everything. Who knew what was going to happen next week, next year. Who knew everything you needed. I mean, wives, imagine having a husband that understood your every desire and wish. Could perfectly understand you. You do. You have a Father in Heaven who perfectly understands you. Sometimes that's a little scary because He understands everything we think. (laughs) He perfectly knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows more about you than you know. And He wants to communicate with you. And the God who knows everything, the God loves you more than you can begin to love yourself. And everything He has, every ability He has, which by the way is infinite, every resource He has, which by the way is infinite, every knowledge and information He has, which by the way is infinite, is at your personal disposal. And the Bible says you don't have to call Him down out of heaven and convince Him to talk to you. The Bible says He's come down from heaven to dwell in you. He's the Holy Spirit. And He's in you. He's known as the Helper. And He is in you to help you. Then, Pastor, how come I'm not getting more help? Well, my wife and I have been married almost 51 years. In July, it'll be 51 years. And I'm just learning some things. I'm learning what works better than telling her is listening to her. Whoops. <laughs> I guess there's still room for improvement. <laughs> now, I, I've, I've been trained in two professions, each of which requires you to speak. They never taught us to listen, just speak. But, but a good attorney, a good pastor, a good husband learns how to listen. And one of the things I was taught years ago, I'm still learning it, but I was taught it years ago, is I can't be listening to her while I'm talking. I can't be listening to her while I'm planning my answer while she's talking. 
because if I'm planning my answer while she's talking, I'm not listening to her because I think I already know what she's going to say and I'm getting ahead of her with the answer. And that can work both ways. Breakdown in communication. That's one thing between a husband and wife where we can see each other. But communication works the same way with God that it works with each other. It's a two-way street. And it dawned on me a while ago, and it sometimes has to dawn on me again and again, that in my conversations with God, they've been mostly one-sided. Me doing all the talking to Him. There's an old southern preacher, and I don't know his name, I've just heard the story, so I don't even know if it's true, but it sounds good. And it probably is. He was laying on his face crying out for the needs of the church, crying out for the needs of his family, crying out, maybe even complaining to God. And after, and God's like this, and, and He'll just let you go on and on and on and on and on until you finally run out and we're ready to listen. And after He poured all this stuff out and was exhausted, it suddenly dawned on Him. On this floor lies a fool who knows almost nothing, doing all the talking to a God who knows everything. I remember when I was a lawyer, over and over again this, this happened. A client would come in and they would sit down and tell me their story, their issue. And then they would tell me what they think the answer is. And I'm looking at my watch and saying, they're charging you in this firm a lot of money to sit here and tell me what you think. but they had their opinion. The problem is the judge didn't care about their opinion. The judge cared about the law, right Richard? Yeah. And so, but this is often our attitude. We come to God or to one another, and I know you deal with this in, in counseling, Pastor Michael. You get people tell you, and they want to tell you what the problem is, and they want to tell you what the answer is. When I was going through my treatments, I learned a lesson from my urologist. Because I went in for one session and I was telling him what was wrong and what needed to be done. And he's a surgeon, so he cuts, no pun intended, right to the issue. And he knew my background as a lawyer and he says, John, in here I'm the doctor. <laughs> Don't you tell me what you think needs to happen. I'm the doctor. You're the patient. And it was a real lesson for me. It was a wake-up call. And, and, and often we need those. So we're going to look at this tonight. We're going to begin, begin to look at it. It's probably the, one of the most important skills, and it's a skill as Christians we need to learn to develop, is to learn how to hear from God. Learn how to hear from God. As a pastor, to me, the most scary position to get into is if I don't think I'm hearing. Because now it's not just me. It's not just my family. I'm responsible for you. And if I don't hear from God, it's very easy to mess up because I, my own thinking and my own judgment apart from God, it's gotten me into trouble before. I can't afford to be out there on my own thinking. I've got to know what God has to say about it. And I shared with you earlier, it was on a Sunday, that earlier this year I was just worn down. I was spiritually worn down. I was emotionally worn down. And, and we went away on vacation for two, almost two weeks. And, and before we went, God did, spoke to me, and I heard Him this time. He said, John, the reason you're so tired is you've stopped listening to me 
And when you stop listening to me, you start listening to everybody else. And everybody else had their own opinion. People have opinions, you know. I had a, a, a coffee meeting this morning with two pastors in the air, one of whom I'd never met before, and they have two diametrically opposed views of what a church ought to do, and they're both right. So I'm sitting there going like this, back and forth. They have strong opinions about what a church ought to be doing, and they're the opposite of each other. They don't conflict, they just emphasize two different things. And I was hearing things like that, and when I heard things like that, I'll start getting confused, and then I get worn down, and the Lord said, it's because you've stopped hearing from me. And I said, why have I stopped hearing from you? He said, because you've stopped listening. He was in here to hear. So we're going to look at a story that Jesus tells about this. It's one of the, we're going to see it's one of the most important stories that Jesus tells. As Christians, we have an amazing opportunity Will you stop and think that not only do we serve a God who wants to help us and talk with us, but He's living inside of us to do that. Jesus said, it's to your advantage when I leave. Because when I leave, the Father, I'm going to ask the Father, He's going to send another helper, another helper. The word another there in Greek is another of the same kind, who has been with you, but He's now going to be in you. And He will lead you into all truth. Of course, part of the problem is we often don't want to go into truth. And we'll talk about that. So we have an amazing opportunity. We have a God that knows everything, can do anything, lives in us, and is ready to help us, protect us, and provide for us. And we waste that opportunity all the time. So many testimonies out of 9-11 of people that were going to go into work that day. And somehow inside, they felt something about not going. Uh, Dan Smucker, when he was here two weeks ago, shared about how he's ready to get on an airplane and to go overseas and just knew he shouldn't get on that plane. And that plane crashed. See, the Holy Spirit tries to help us at times. I imagine we get to heaven, we're going to spend a couple thousand years just looking at opportunities we missed and situations God tried to keep us out of, but we didn't listen because we weren't in a place to listen or we didn't want to listen. All those opportunities that we've wasted how God wants to provide for us. Do you have any idea what ideas God... Well, God doesn't come up with ideas. Stories I've heard of... Witty and... You know, only takes, it only takes one idea from God to turn your life around. One idea from God. There's a, a, an ad we see on television sometimes that is the stupidest thing. It's this, looks like, it looks like a, uh, um, one of these skateboards without wheels, and it's kind of bent in the middle with a hub, and there's a guy that sits on it and does this thing as exercise. Have you seen that thing? It's a little distracting, because one of the guys looks exactly like one of our twin boys. In like, and I look at the thing, I said, that is a piece of plastic, and I don't know how much they sell it for. But the woman that invented this had a millionaire, multi-millionaire. And she's a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian, and I don't know her background or story, but God gave her one simple idea. How many times does God want to give you an idea? Something that may turn your family around, turn your marriage around. It's things that God has shown me that have helped change me to try to bring some improvement into our marriage and help us. Men, ladies, you can close your ears to this. In, in, in I think it's First Peter, 
God says to us, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. (laughs) But I started to pray for that. I started to get up in the morning and say, God, I want to understand her. I want to understand her so I can help meet her needs. And you know what? God began to give me understanding. Now, I'm sure I don't hear perfectly, but He says, if you lack wisdom, James chapter 1, ask. God's ready to pour it out on you. He won't laugh at you and say, what a stupid question that was. And He will pour out His wisdom abundantly on us. All the opportunities that we miss because we don't know how to hear. I've told some stories of this. In fact, when I did this message back in 94, I told stories of three cases I had where in the middle of disastrous situations in a trial, God gave me wisdom of what to do that turned the whole situation around. How would you like to have a doctor that was spirit-filled and he didn't need to run you through a bunch of tests. He would just hear from God what you needed. Why isn't that possible? Why isn't that possible? I used to tell God, if you would give me answers to solve cases, won't you also be willing to give us answers in our family and other situations? He is. He is. Then how come I don't hear? How come we don't hear? The problem is we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to listen. We have to learn to listen and to really hear what God is saying to us. There is much at stake today. You and I are living in treacherous times. It doesn't take any spiritual discernment to figure that out. We are living in an age where one mistake can be go viral on social media. And look at the lives that have been ruined because that's happened. Somebody's made some offhand comment, done something stupid. In the old days, you could do something stupid and your only family might be the only one. Now you can do something stupid and the next thing you know, it's all over the world. We can make wrong decisions because we're under pressure. Satan's the one that creates the pressure so that we will make wrong decisions. But we have a compass, a guide inside of us. So it's critical that we learn as Christians how to hear and how to listen. So let's go to the story that Jesus used to introduce us. And we're just introducing this tonight. Matthew chapter 13. This appears in three of the Gospels. Matthew comes before John and before Mark. Matthew 13. The parable of the sower. We're going to break these down into different sections. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to Him, so that He got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Now, the reason He got into a boat was for several reasons. First of all, so they wouldn't crowd around Him, because they they couldn't walk on water, and He could. That was a joke. (laughs) But the other reason is water is they had no PA systems. They didn't have microphones or PA systems. Water amplifies the sound. 
So he's speaking to a multitude of people. When he spoke out over the water, they could hear more easily. Verse 3, Then he spoke many things to them, many things to them in parables. Behold, a sower went out to sow, like a farmer. And he sowed some seed, and, so he, and he, as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some of the seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell on thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus was a master teacher. And he didn't just stand there and give information. He did it in a way so people could receive. So he told parables. A parable is a short story that has elements in it that your audience can relate to. So he's talking to an agricultural society. So they knew about seeds. They knew about soil. They understand about harvesting things. They understood this. If you went into New York City to do that, they may not have quite the same understanding. He might have used different examples. So he used a short story that had a lesson, but it had elements in it that they could relate to so that they could become involved in the story and in the lesson of the story. But it's very interesting what he does. So he ends the story with this phrase, which is, the, which is the title of our series, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, right away we know something. Just because you have ears doesn't mean you'll hear. Every parent ought to understand that. Just because your child has ears doesn't mean they can... My mother used to say, you got wax in there? <laughs> so the fact that we have flaps of skin on the side of our head doesn't mean we hear. The fact that sounds go in there doesn't mean we hear. We may be hearing noise. Remember the, 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 was it the Charlie Brown... Christmas story, wah, 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 all the, all the adults, whenever they spoke, it's wah, 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 wah. Children just didn't hear them. They heard each other. And so Jesus is, tells this little story, and now he has a statement. Here's a story. That's great. People are waiting for these profound words, and Jesus says, there was a farmer, and he went out one day to sow his seed. And, of course, the way they sowed seed then is they scattered it like this. And some of the seed that he scattered fell on the road. And some of it fell on the soil next to the road that had no depth to it. It was hard pan soil. Some of it fell on soil where there was, there was rocks in it and, there was, and somewhere there was weeds in it and somewhere there was none of that. And he talked about the fruit that grew up from it. And he tells a story. Yes. And he says, he was ears to hear. Let him hear. End of the message. Go home. Didn't you wish our services were like that? He was ears to hear. Go home. 
But look what happens after that. Verse 10, the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? The disciples came. It, it sounds almost as if they're questioning his teaching technique. Master, you got there. I mean, what kind of teacher are you? I thought you wanted them to get this information and you're teaching them these stories that they may or may not be able to relate to. At least they had the wisdom to ask him, why do you speak to them in parables? I mean, we're going to see most of them didn't get it. Why would Jesus teach a lesson that he knows most people aren't going to get? Well, a lot of pastors can understand that. <laughs> it's an education sometimes with people. Nothing. You guys are great. <laughs> but how many times, and I've had this happen sometimes, not in a long time, where you're preaching a series and you have a guest speaker comes in, preaches the same subject and say, wow, I've never heard that before. <laughs> because you heard wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Somebody comes in with a different tone of voice. Jesus' teaching technique... Now, can you figure out, Jesus ought to know something about teaching that maybe we can learn from Him? And our educational system isn't based on that, and we got some teachers here tonight, good ones. In the Old Testament, Jewish fathers were taught to have their sons memorize the Scriptures. And they were instructed to tell them stories Around the, around the Passover, around the, uh, the different festivals they had, they had rituals where they would tell them stories. And that's all. They wouldn't tell them what it meant. They would memorize the scriptures and they would tell them these stories. But then they were instructed, when your son asks you what it means, then you give him the meaning. Because you see, when a child asks what it means, now they're ready to hear. But children won't hear until they're ready to hear. And I'll tell you a secret. Adults don't hear until they're ready to hear. There's some truths of this Bible that I have taught over and over and over again, studied, know the Scriptures by heart. And suddenly I'll be in a crisis or some situation under pressure. And that verse all of a sudden opens up to a much deeper meaning to me. Did that verse suddenly have a deeper meaning? No. I could understand it now because I had a greater need to know what that verse really meant and how it applied to my life. Otherwise, it was just a nice principle. But suddenly, have you had that experience? Why? Because now you really need to know. You really need to know. So we're going to find out why Jesus says... He does this. Why do you speak to them in parables? Ever notice that a lot of times Jesus, they say something to him and it says, and he answered it, and it seems like he's talking about a different subject? Verse 11. And he answered and said to them, Because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That verse is telling me that God's a respecter of persons. 
That verse is telling me that God's some kind of elitist. He's chosen, Jesus has chosen this 12, and the disciples here, I believe, meant more than the 12, because he had 70 that were disciples, and he had even more that were considered disciples. And it says, because it, God, it sounds like he says, God's chosen this group to understand, but the rest of you, you just sit there and hear the stories. But that can't be, this is a good lesson. You can't just take one verse out of the Bible informative opinion of what God's like. You've got to take the whole Bible in its whole context. So I've got scriptures like God's no respecter of persons. That's a respecter of persons. So that can't be what that means. That can't be what that means. So we've got to read more to find out what it means. And Jesus explains it. Verse 12. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That's even worse. Pastor, it's getting worse. Now he's taking the little bit that the person had had and taking it away from him and giving it to the person that has, has much. But here's the key. It says, for whoever has, has what? See, I read this and ask these questions. Whoever has what? Whoever has whatever it is, more will be given to him, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Well, what has Jesus just said they're trying to understand? He who has ears to hear. So verse 12 is explained that whoever has ears to hear, what he understands, more understanding will be given to him. And he will have an abundance. But he who does not have ears to hear, even what understand he does have, he'll lose. And it's going to become clear. Verse 13. Therefore I speak to them in parables. Now he's going to explain why. Because seeing, they don't see. And hearing, they don't hear nor do they understand. So what he's saying is, I'm speaking to them in parables. Now here's what's behind this. The disciples heard the same parable. But they heard it, and it wasn't enough. It wasn't just, they, they, oh. They wanted more than a nice little story on Sunday morning for 20 minutes. They wanted more than a nice story that was going to make them feel good and then they could go home and live their life the way they wanted to live. The disciples had... The disciples had given up everything to follow Him. Everything was at stake. You know the old story about the, the farmer's birthday and the animals decide to throw a birthday party? And they get together to decide what to have. So they decide on, on, on ham and eggs. And the pig looks at the, at the chicken, who's going to give the eggs, and says, this is just an offering for you. This is a sacrifice for me. And there's some people that come to church to lay eggs. And there's some people that come to church to bring the bacon. 
to give their lives. And the more you give of yourself, the more you're open to hear and have understanding. The more you come for your own purposes, to feel good that I came to church. Now, I'm talking to a Wednesday night crowd. You're not the crowd that comes just to feel good. He who has ears to hear. I speak to them in parable because, because seeing, they don't see. They walk out and say, wow, that was a great message. Wow. Or they walk out and say, I don't think he was really on today. It's amazing. We've had people leave the church and say, well, the anointing's left here. Of course, they were spending their time in the foyer talking to other people saying the same thing. I don't know how they know the anointing's, the anointing's left. It's not out there. It's in here. Uh Uh-oh, I'm going to meddle now. We better move on. That's what happens when I haven't preached in a while. In other words, God doesn't... I'll give you another verse for this. I go way off my notes. (laughs) It marked... In Mark's account of this, Mark 4, verse 13, he says, if it, he, he tells them how important this is. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand all the rest of the parables. Now, what Jesus, Jesus is saying here, this message is critical. Because if you don't get this, you won't understand anything else I'm teaching. And you're going to see why. We'll go back to Matthew. We'll go back to um, Mark 13. Well, let, no, let's go down to Matthew 7. This is another message where Jesus said to them in Matthew 7, Don't give what is holy to dogs or cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and tear you to pieces. He's talking about people. So God doesn't just take his rich wisdom, his rich insight and understanding and just throw it out there for everybody. I used to wonder, why don't you do that? Have you ever noticed? Well, it depends on your background. I mean, I'm trained to take a law book and know how to find what the law is, at least the statutes. They're in some kind of rational order or way to find things. This book's not laid out in a rational fashion at all. Some things are in the Old Testament, some things in the New Testament. You have to dig to get truth out of this book. You have to want to get it. I said to God one time, why, why is it so hard? Why, why is it so hard? Why don't, if you want us to know it, why don't you just spell it out? Because He doesn't just want us to know it that easy. Because the more you go after something, the greater your desire. And every woman that's ever wooed a gentleman understands that. A little hard to get. Why? You want to see the desire. God God wants us to desire Him, to desire His Word, to desire His truth, to be passionate for His Word, because His Word is Him, because this Word reveals Him. He wants us to be passionate for Him, so He wants to see our desire. He's not having us earn it. But if it were easy, we would treat it lightly. 
Let's go back to Matthew 13. And now in verse 14, he's going to explain why they don't hear and why they don't understand. And this is the heart of the lesson. In them, that's the people that have ears but they don't hear, and eyes but they don't see. In them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and will not perceive. So he's talking about the same thing. By the way, this, this quote occurs eight times in the Bible, so it's significant. It occurs, I think, three times, three times in the Old Testament and five times in the New Testament, if I remember correctly. And here's the answer. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Notice they grew dull. They didn't wake up one morning and they were dull. They grew dull over a period of time. And their ears are hard of hearing. So the reason they have ears but they can't hear is their hearing has gotten hard and their hearts, which is what this whole story is about, have become dull. What's dull mean? Ever have a dull knife? It just can't cut. Something that's dull becomes insensitive. Something that's dull has no real feeling to it. It's lost its sharpness, its ability. And I may use this again as we go further into this. But when I was, um, when I was in school, in law school, we'd first, we'd just got married. And I had a summer job. And I was working in a door factory. They made wooden doors. And, and they made all kinds of doors. And what they bought is they bought the plywood in these huge pallets. And then they had frames that were already glued together. And then they had fillings, different kinds of fillings that went in. And they had a glue machine. And you would take the board, the frame, and the filling, and another board, and you would stack them up like this, and then the man at the glue machine would take them and run them in the hot press, put the glue on them, hot press, and this press would press them down, and the, the door, the, 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 the two faces of the door would now be glued to the frame and the, and the center material. And I, I, I had a job of stacking the plywood up in the right order so that this could happen. And my partner that was stacking it up only spoke Spanish, and I only spoke English. It was an interesting summer. He did teach me some words, but Pastor Michael, you didn't teach them in Spanish this year. At least I hope not. <laughs> I wouldn't say back then. Now, we're, we're all day long grabbing plywood, and this guy, I was doing it as a summer job. This was his life job, and he was slinging these around. I'm trying to keep up with him. Well, if you've ever handled rough plywood, it's got splinters on all the edges. And I had never done manual labor in my life. My hands were very tender and soft, and, 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 but by the time I got to the end of the first week, they were bleeding and sore, but by the time I got to the end of the first month, I could stick pins in my hand and not feel anything. My hands were calluses. The body brought, developed those calluses to protect itself. Now, this is good. Because it wanted to avoid the pain of the splinters, it gradually developed calluses. My skin 
became dull of feeling. So whereas at the beginning of the summer, I could hold my wife's hand and feel her soft hand. I could touch her soft face and feel the soft skin that she had, which she still has, soft skin. I could feel it. By the end of that first month, I couldn't feel anything because my skin had grown dull. Their hearts had grown dull. And Ezekiel, in the, Ezekiel's prophecy of the new birth, says, And I will take out your stony heart. A heart, a stone, has no feeling. It's hard. It has no feeling. And when I was saved, that was my heart was like that. Hard. Hard-hearted. It was defensive because I'd been hurt growing up. But it was still hard. And I will take and I will give you a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh beats. A heart of flesh feels. A heart of flesh... And Je- Jesus was like that. He was God, but He was moved with compassion. He wept at Lazarus' grave. That's one of the most amazing scenes to me. Here is Jesus, the resurrection and the life, knowing that in a few moments He's going to raise that man from the dead. And when He saw Mary and Martha's hurting and pain, He weeps over this. God is emotional. God has a heart that feels. The Bible says He's touched with the feeling. Jesus is touched with the feeling of your infirmities. It says, God holds your tears in a bottle. What you go through matters to Him. He hurts for you. Say, how come He doesn't get me out of it? Well, that's a lesson for another time. Maybe He's trying and you just don't hear Him because you're too busy complaining about the situation you're in because remember while you're talking you can't hear and especially if you're complaining because if you're complaining you're not expecting to get out of it that's another message for another time alright we better move on okay for the hearts, verse 15, the hearts of the people have grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing. How did that happen? How in the world did this happen? My goodness, did this just come on them some night? No, look at verse 16. Or the rest of this verse. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them or make them well or whole. What Isaiah's prophecy is saying is this generation that he prophesied to, and Jesus is saying it to this generation, he says, the reason your hearts have grown dull is you've chosen to close your eyes and close your ears. See, it's easy to sit in church. That's one thing for the world out there. But it's easy to sit in church and say, I'm here, I'm listening. But God's been opening my eyes lately to things I don't want to hear. Opening my, yeah, eyes to see things I don't want to hear. And realize there's things I'm still trying to protect myself from. Are there any verses in the Bible you don't like reading? Brussels sprouts, lima beans, spinach, the food that's good for you that it doesn't taste good, so what do children do? 
They don't eat what doesn't taste good. They eat what tastes good. But we're adults. We know that I need to eat the lima beans and the spinach and the fruit and the vegetables because we know that it's good for me and I need to be in control of the things that will... Actually, you know what? Those things begin to taste good if that's what you eat. That's another message for another time. They chose... They chose to close their eyes and close their ears. And the problem is they didn't know they did it. So we can sit in church and have our ears closed. We can hear words. We can walk out and say, Wow, is that great? I don't have time to go there, but the, I think it's Ezekiel 36. One of the end, 36, 37, or 30. End of the, God speaks to Ezekiel and He says, He was a prophet sent to Israel while they were in in captivity. He said, the people listen to you and they go out and say what a great message it was. But they have no intention to do what you've said. See, the difference between listening and hearing is listening is hearing the words. Hearing is when you receive the words and you receive the words only when you plan to put them into action. James says it a different way. He said, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you deceive yourself because you think you've heard it and you haven't heard it. You only really hear it when you're prepared and desire to put it into action. When you get in trouble, <laughs> man, we, we, uh, most men don't like to ask for directions. I'm feeling awful alone here. <laughs> Now I know we got GPS on our phone and watches and iPads and all over cars and all over the place. But I still don't like asking for directions. I want to figure it out myself. Go into a store and your wife sent you to get such and such. No, I mean, it's a hunting expedition. I'm not going to ask somebody. I want to figure it out myself. Well, as I've gotten older and maybe a little lazier, I'll ask now what I wouldn't have asked before. What was my point? I had a good point for this. There was a reason for this. Oh, but when you're in trouble and in need, and you ask, you're listening to hear what the directions are. When you really need something, when you're lost, and you've called OnStar or something like that, and they start giving you directions, you say, shh, be quiet, I need to hear this. You're on the phone and you need to, there's a message you need to hear. And the kids are, shh, I need to, I need, I, I need to hear this. So I've got to shut out the extraneous noise because it's important that I hear every word that's being said. Two of our children live outside of the area. And, and uh, 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 sometimes they'll call. And, or my wife will call me. And lately I've been having trouble getting good reception here. And so she's talking to me and I've got to, I got to, turn my computer down because I've got to want to hear what she has to say because it's important to me. This is God speaking to us. Amen. How important is it that we... So they chose to harden their hearts. They chose to dull their ears. They chose to do that. Why? Because they didn't want to... Oh, oh, oh. Because they didn't want to hear the truth. Because once you hear the truth, you're responsible for the truth. Johnny, it's time to go to bed.
Turn the TV up. Johnny, it's time to go to bed. Oh, what'd you say, Mom? Because I didn't want... Sign for ice cream. Oh, yeah! I hear that. Let me see if I can quickly find this. So we've got to bring this to an end. They won't have this to put up there, but... Um, such a well-known verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who did not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. This is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and the men love the darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, the truth, and does not come to the light, lest their deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes into the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So the world doesn't want to hear the truth, because they don't want to have their evil exposed. This is why they got mad at Jesus. This is why I was crucified. Because they didn't want to deal with truth. They didn't want to hear truth. And you and I are living in a generation, an age, fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament that truth has fallen in the streets. It's upside down. And the Bible teaches, and I'll probably get into this later this year, is that the church is intended by God to be the pillar of truth in the world. What's a pillar do? It holds it up steady. The pillar of truth in the world. The church is the only institution today that can discern what truth is. Why? Because truth comes from God. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So we have to be willing for our lives to come under the light. Otherwise, instinctively in us, we'll pull back. I'll end with this story. I'll give you this example. I've used it before. Uh, I had a basketball coach growing up in, in, in high school. Uh, he actually wasn't my coach. He was the team's coach. I was the team's manager. Now, in baseball, the manager wears a uniform and tells the team what to do. In basketball, the manager picks up the dirty towels. And he, he's, a, he's a gopher. And that was my job on the team. And this coach was very good at teaching defense. And I've used this example before. And what he would do is he would tell the, the, the players when you're on defense, don't look at their eyes, don't look at their hands, don't look at their feet, because they can look one way and go another way. They can pretend to throw the ball this way and pass it this way. They can take one step here, and if you're following their steps, you'll go this way, and then he'll go over here. The one thing they can't go without is their belly, because that's their center of gravity. So no matter where they look like they're going, they're not going to go anywhere without their belly, because that's their center of gravity. That's a great example of our will. We can have the best of intentions, the greatest desires, but you won't go anywhere or do anything your will doesn't want to do. Which is why the devil's after your will and God's trying to influence your will. Because your will controls what you will do. And so the Lord was showing me lately, there's a situation, that I, a change that I need to make. 
And the Lord was showing me lately through a situation where he said, you know you need to make this, you're telling people you need to make this, but down in your heart you're afraid to do it, and while you're afraid to do it, you won't. So you're fooling yourself, thinking you're getting ready to make this change, because you're not yet willing to do it. And this is true about receiving truth. Until we're willing to do what this word says, we're not really ready to hear it. Because what we'll do is we'll say, isn't that nice? Boy, that makes me feel good. James 1.22 If you are a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, you deceive yourself. Now there's a deceiver out there, that's Satan. That's one thing. But we deceive ourselves. I asked the Lord one time, how is it that I deceive myself when I hear the word but I don't intend to do it? He said this way, because when you hear the word, you feel better. When you hear the word, even if it's a correction, oh, the Lord just, he just showed me. How many times do we say, the Lord just showed me, or the Lord's, Lord's working on me on that? What that means is I've heard it, but I'm not doing it. That went over big. I guess you don't want to hear it. And that's what happens. If we, if we hear in church something, or in our Bible, or, or on a CD or something, something we don't want to hear, we won't hear it. Oh, the words will go in, and we can even acknowledge, wow, that was great, but I didn't receive it. I didn't really receive it in my heart. Because when I receive it in my heart, it affects me. So we can hear announcements that we need people to work in children's ministry. And everybody goes, hmm, yeah, we do, yeah, we do, having no intention to be one of them. That was a paid advertisement. But the problem is, when I close my heart to anything, I close my heart to hear, because God speaks to and through our heart. Notice Jesus is saying, this whole parable is going to talk about the condition of your heart. Because the condition of your heart determines how much of this Word of God you're able to receive and what that Word is able to do in your life. And we'll have to pick up here next week. This is why Jesus said, if you can get this, then you can receive anything I teach. But if you don't get a hold of this, you really can't understand anything that I'm teaching. Because He teaches us through hearing and understanding with our heart. Let's pray. Father, as we sit in here tonight and listen to the Word, including me, our hearts in, are in various forms of openness and closeness and in varying degrees. There may be areas of my life, Father, where I'm, I'm very open to hear certain things and other areas where I, I really don't want to look at some things right now. I want to put them off. The comforting thing is you know all that. The comforting thing is your Word says there's nothing hidden from you. And I don't want to hide anything from you because I need your help. And so tonight we're asking you, you've said the Spirit of God's been put in us to lead us into all truth. There's going to come a day when each of us will stand before you. We will stand before truth Himself and there will be no veil between us 
There will be no excuses, no explanations. It will be simply us and truth. And my prayer tonight, Father, for me and for all of us, is that you would prepare us now for that day by helping to open the eyes of our understanding that we would be able to see the truth of what your word and what you are saying to us. Father, sometimes we're afraid to hear it because we're afraid of you and we don't yet really know you enough to know that you only speak to us because you love us. You only correct us because you love us. You only challenge us because you love us and you want what's best for us. And so, Father, tonight, help us to know you as a Father that loves us but cares about us. Because you care, you'll correct us. Because you care, you'll deride us. Even, even if necessary, you'll chastise us. But you'll do it out of love for our best, for our good. If in any way our hearts are closed to the truth. Yeah, Lord, maybe it's, it's someone, some relationship. I just have that sense tonight. There's some here tonight that what's holding your heart back is there's hurt in a relationship. And you don't want to face it because it's painful. Because if you face it, you'll know you've got to forgive them and, and you don't want to forgive them. Or you may want to, but you don't see how you can because the hurt is so deep and so painful. And for some of you, it's been there for so long, it's almost become a part of you. But your heart is closed to face that because you're afraid that once you face it, you're going to have to do the unthinkable and you'll have to let go. Father, help them. Help them through the Holy Spirit to open their hearts to you, to allow you to help them face that situation with you, in your love, by your grace. Whatever else there are out there tonight, Father, the hurts that have caused us to protect ourselves and to hold on to ourselves, may your precious Holy Spirit begin to soften those areas of our heart that we can open so that we can hear your loving words, hear your loving encouragement, even your loving correction. We need to hear from you. We need to know your voice. And we thank you, Father. Because you love us, you will do these things. In Jesus' name, amen.